0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also, be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome
1: to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tactics. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Folks, thanks for tuning in with us again this week. We are getting up to uh, the very best time of the year, and the pre-rut, some good activity, is right around the corner. So I had my buddy Pierce Nellis on, and we talk about some of the things that have been going on in our neck of the woods. We both got confirmation of a giant buck in uh, in our respective hunting areas. Pierce actually, right after we recorded this episode, got a picture of not the same buck that he got that we're talking about in this uh, in this episode, but got a picture of an even bigger buck walking through at like 1:30 in the afternoon. So, guys, it is about that time. Uh, Time to hit the woods. So in this episode, Pierce and I talk about not only what we have going on coming up for uh, a little bit of a rut hunt, we talk about our favorite pre-rut strategy, kind of what we're going to be doing, just a good all-around random conversation about rut thoughts. Uh, We actually had just recorded an episode for the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast talking with Sam Billhorn about his favorite pre-rut strategies. And uh, so we kind of reflect on that a little bit as well but then just get into, uh, you know, what we're hoping to be doing this time of year. So it's a great episode, I hope you enjoy. Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam 6.0 point of view camera. Featuring a built in one inch LCD touchscreen, one touch operation, weatherproof housing, and mounts to fit any style of hunting. The Tacticam 6.0 is sure to simplify the self-filming process for you and make sure you have high quality footage to share with family and friends. The 6.0 features up to 8x zoom, new image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear 4K 60 frame per second footage. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. If you want to create more memories and fill your freezer while you're doing it, the Onyx Hunt app is a must-have tool in your arsenal. With major new aerial imagery updates with historic look-back, high-frequency imagery, and even the ability to order your own custom imagery, the Onyx Hunt app has solidified itself as the leader among mapping systems. Now, this is all on top of the public and private land ownership info, the ability to use this app with no service, and the unmatched reliability that you have come to expect out of the Onyx Hunt app. You can try the Onyx Hunt app for free for seven days. Just go find them on the app store of your choice, or you can go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. Hunting comfort this season with camo from Huntworth. They make high-quality, technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham Lightweight Pants, which are rugged and durable, but also lightweight and breathable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts, and the Gadston Quarter Zip Hoodie, which is made to be breathable and moisture-wicking. To make building out your kit simpler, the Huntworth website now features their new system builder. This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting. To check out their full camo line, head over to huntworthgear.com. Now let's get into this week's show. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I've got Mr. Pierce Nellis on the line. Pierce, what's up, buddy?
0: Not much, man. Getting fired up for deer.
1: Dude, we've been talking deer for hours at this point. (laughs) Uh, We jumped on the line here, I think, two and a half hours ago, roughly. Mm -hmm. And uh, for folks who maybe don't know yet, you are now the co-host of the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast. I am you indeed. Will, yeah, you will eventually be taking that over, as mm-hmm. I step away. It just got a little too much to try to keep up with Wisconsin when I'm 15 hours away. You know, right. and and while I do, yes, make trips back there every year, and I'll be there in two weeks. You know, yeah. looking forward to that. But at the same time, you know, it, it's just hard to keep up with what's going on there. I mean, we had to cancel it. We had a trip planned for the summer, had to cancel that. We rescheduled the trip for the fall. Thought I'd be up there the first week of October. Had to cancel that. Um, you know, one thing or another, family stuff. Um, my family coming in town here where we live now, all that good stuff. Um, So I, I've just realized more and more. It's just going to be more difficult to keep up with it. So right. brought on Cell cams Mr. can
0: only do so much.
1: Right, right. Cell cams <laughs> can only do so much. And, you know, I'm living vicariously through you. And, and I'll be honest with you, man. It's You know, Wisconsin is really like a sportsman's paradise uh, Mm -hmm. where I lived, where you lived, like it, it is the Mecca, right? You got everything there you could want. You got big deer, you got turkeys everywhere. You got uh, trout fishing all over the place and whatever, anything else you like to do. If you like to pheasant hunt, duck hunt, all that stuff's up there. And, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, man, it was impacting my attitude. Like I just had a really poor attitude when it comes to thinking about you know being back in the south and hunting in Georgia which you know things mm-hmm. can be good here but it's just not quite like southern wisconsin but um right. anyway so i will be withdrawal. yeah man it was, and and every time i had to talk about wisconsin it 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 brings me back into this like state of depression of realizing mm-hmm. that i'm not there so um you know i'll be stepping away from that podcast this will allow me to kind of uh still come up still do the things that I'm doing but I don't have to be thinking about it all the time I I, I'm living in one world and that's just a trip that I'm going to make rather than trying to live in both worlds all the Mm -hmm. time so
0: yeah um, man yeah but anyway I I know how it goes I was doing the same thing when I was in college down by Chicago and I didn't it was kind of like you said when you moved back to Georgia like you didn't realize how much there is to do in the state of Wisconsin until you're somewhere else and then you're like what the hell <laughs> get me out of here. I want to go back to Wisconsin. So, right.
1: Right. And I yeah. think everybody probably thinks that about Chicago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It, if you love the outdoors and you live in Chicago, I'm going to roll the dice and say, you probably don't like it.
0: <laughs> Just did I, you know, I, I guided, a handful of people from the chicagoland area and everybody and even like you know just just regular you know fishing and stuff um you know for trout and all that in the driftless region we get so many illinois plates up there Mm. at bridges like there's so many people who know like god i would love to live up here and you know take advantage of this resource and you know it's a lot of a, a lot of you know very wealthy uh retired or semi-retired Chicago professionals who make the trip up there. But I mean, I, I know a guy who's uh, he's not retired, but he's, he's doing well for himself. But I mean, that dude, he, he literally drives up with his wife in their airstream every single weekend Ugh. from like April through the last week of trout season. And he comes up and they camp at the same campground. They've just got a standing reservation and they camp the airstream. He, he, does his fishing and, you know, whatever he wants all day. His wife sits in the Airstream or comes with him and, you know, you know, paints or reads books or whatever it may be. And like the two of them just haven't made, but it's like every single weekend he's got to drive all the way back to Chicago. And having done that for years in college, I'm like, that wears on you, man.
1: Yeah. That's a lot. I, you know, as I think about it, like, I don't know, I keep daydreaming that there's this time that will come that I can come back and, Um, I won't say that I miss like all the snow shoveling, like once deer season ends that, that time period between deer season and Turkey season in Wisconsin, I'm kind of just like, meh, whatever. I never really got into ice fishing. Yeah. I never really got into ice fishing or anything like that. So that Mm -hmm. wasn't really my thing. But dude, if I could come up there and live for like, you know, spring, summer, and fall. (laughs) And then yeah. head back south for the winter. That'd be that'd be pretty sweet. But, uh, man, I'm not here to, to gripe about living in the south. Uh, I actually do really like it. There's a lot. There's It's got a lot going for it. And I'm covering a lot of that over on the Southern Way Hunting Podcast right now. But um, we are here to talk about, though, the pre-rut. So we are recording this October 18th. This is going to launch on October 19th. And I thought what we would do uh, this week is just talk about our pre-rut strategy. We just had an awesome mm-hmm. conversation with Sam Billhorn from Whitetail Partners, Wisconsin. Um, and we were talking all about Sam's pre-rut strategy, how he's setting up his his property to take advantage of what deer are doing during the pre-rut, what days he's getting out, what he thinks of weather, and all that good stuff. And that episode is going to be launching on the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast this coming Tuesday. That would be the 24th, correct? Yep. All right. So that's going to launch.
0: Pulled that up before I did.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I got the phone right here. So I'm, I'm, uh, but so that's going to launch on the 24th. So guys, if you want to uh, hear that episode, you really should jump over to the Wisconsin sportsman podcast. Check that one out. We've got a lot of stuff that we talk about. That's going to be really relevant because there's a big cold front coming through. That is super well-timed for guys like mm-hmm. Sam who really love to get out there for some pre rut activity. That 20, five six seven range you know pre-Halloween I feel like Halloween is kind of the day like you know that kind of ends pre-rut in my brain and we get into November 1st where it's like okay now the rut is on I know it doesn't work like that and we we cover that in that episode it's a bell curve of behavior and movement and all that kind of stuff but um anyway yeah so Sam loves a pre-rut we talk all about it in that episode if you want to learn more Do go listen to it this coming Tuesday, October 24th. But Pierce, we thought we would talk a bit about our strategy going into things here and maybe some of what we learned. Maybe we won't give all the details of what we picked up from Sam, but we'll talk about it just a little bit. But um, before we do, though, I feel like we've got big news Uh, because both of us in the last 24 hours have received intel of a giant. In our respective hunting locations. So Mm -hmm. what can you tell me about what you've learned in the last 24 hours?
0: So I yesterday got my first uh, daylight. um, It was like 826 or something like that in the morning. Um, I got my first daylight shots of one of our shooter bucks um, who's running around our place. Now I'm, I'm... still going to be planning to hunt out at, you know, on previous episodes, I've (laughs) referred to it. um, Well, we have for the last year or so now um, of my folks property is is the perfect five. It's a little five acre postage stamp, but it's surrounded by, uh, you know, pretty much everything you could want it to be surrounded by. We've got a Creek down in the bottom of it. We got a nice uh, little ridge line of timber. It's about 120 yards wide um, going along the, I guess the southeastern side of it um, with ag up above that. And then to the north, it dips down through a little hollow. That's probably 200 and 250 yards wide Um, that connects to another big strip of timber. And then kind of between the ag, the timber um, and the Creek bottom, there's a little sort of a tiered, um, I guess, meadow for lack of a better term, kind of just prairie grasses. Um, it, It was, I'm not sure what exactly it is. It's not pollinators or anything like that, it's, it's just grass pretty much. Um, but I've been in good contact with, uh, my neighbor, um, who hunts everything around us, Or I guess he he doesn't necessarily, but his, uh, his hunting party does he and his relatives. Um, but he and I have been in close contact, uh, for the last month or so, just kind of sharing cameras and, uh, talking about what stuff we're seeing here and we've got one buck um which was our kind of our target buck last year who made it through and he is a freaking stud this year <laughs> um I unfortunately haven't had him over on uh my cameras yet however he did kind of just in this last week um he kind of quit hitting my neighbors uh he, he had a camera on a scrape that was right up on top of this hill on an apple tree and that seems to have kind of dried up with the last cold front that we had here um and so he's made it that was across the road from us so he's come down across the road across the creek even and um he's about 600 yards north of uh where i'll be hunting um this fall and was still at night that he was working another scrape but he was hitting another one um down there and we got a a little bit different angle on him and his body is absolutely gigantic he's got a freaking gut on him um and i'm really hoping that either myself or someone in his party can fill their tag with with him this year um but we've got another one who's real nice as well. Um, real, real heavy through the main beams and he's got some super tall brow tines. Um, and he showed up yesterday at eight 26. Like I said, um, I don't have a camera on the mock scrape that I have up on our little corner. However, the direction he was coming from makes me think that hopefully he just beat the hell out of that thing and then walked in front of my other camera. So, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited. Um, looking at the weather here, I'm you know what we'll, we'll get into weather and all that, but uh, in a little bit. But looking at the weather, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Going into uh, the last couple of weeks of October here.
1: Yeah, so, it was. How about you, man? I, I just want to say first, it was really interesting. We were talking the other day, and you were like, "Hey, <clears throat> you know that buck hasn't been on my on my buddy's camera again." And then I think it was the next day that you were like, "Oh, but he found him, and he was down in this area." which was Mm kind of to the north of you. And then it's like a day or two later, boom, he's on your ground. So I think it's, it's pretty interesting this time of year, these bucks are starting to do weird things, you know, and and they disappear from us. And if you don't have a good relationship with your neighbor or the other folks that are, that are hunting around you, it can be like, well, what happened to them? It's Mm -hmm. really interesting to get the picture of this guy. Like, okay, he's just making this weird move. Like he's, he's just out doing his thing, man. Like I, I doubt he's returning to that guy's property every night where he's been getting him on camera you know what i mean
0: like, right right he, at least not the same area we, we have an idea right. of kind of where he beds and it's it's pretty goofy um in this real real thick timber that's on the inside of this uh bend in the road that's like it almost i don't want to say it's like a hairpin turn but um you know definitely you know sub 90 degrees um and it's just kind of this little bit that juts out it's really really steep coming off the road um, and I mean, i up out there, I've seen deer out there all the freaking time. Um, and uh, I see what my, you're my talking neighbor. about.
1: I'm looking at it. Yeah. On, I'm looking at it on, <laughs> on X right now. I see what you're saying. That It's pretty steep right there. Yeah. So you and think so he he's on the end of that? There.
0: Yep. I think, I don't know if he's on the end of it or if he's further up in it, but he, um, he'll go from there and he'll, he'll jog across the road uh, kind of to the Southwest of that. And then that apple tree scrape is up on the, he was behind one of our neighbor's houses. Um, and then up kind of through some weird, it's just like kind of a thick ish, um, south facing slope that runs alongside the road, but then they'll go up, they'll eat apples and they'll hang out and they'll hit scrapes and everything up on top of that. And then they'll run back down. They'll cross the road. They'll get water over there. Cause I mean, as the crow flies, it's only 300 yards if that, um, to get from, you know, really it's the top to really, I mean, ridge top to ridge top, it's probably 400. Um, it's, it's nothing, nothing too crazy. And I mean, especially as they start getting into the rut, those bucks are, you know, covering ground like crazy. Um, you know, I think, well, it was, we just talked with Sam. He was saying that he's had a in late October, he's had a couple of bucks that have covered, you know, multiple ridge tops on a 40 acre, stretch or whatever that were like, you know, he's covered a thousand yards in an evening before dark. Right. 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 um, Yeah. You know, for, for us on that small parcel, it's just really a matter of, okay, they're around. We just need to be in the right place at the right time when they cut through our little corner and uh, we can make it happen, which they usually do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm looking at this. Does your buddy have a food plot too? No. Up on the okay. It looks like there's a little food plot off that ridge, but
0: uh, no, they uh they so those two fields down in the very bottom there, um, between the road and the creek, um, those those two fields used to be in crops and a couple of years ago they've turned them into or they switched over to CRP. And then this year I think I don't know if it was because of the drought or what exactly, but I, I know there was some some sort of uh I don't know what you would call it, um, and it, it might not even be in CRP anymore. Um, but they did something where they allowed landowners to cut and bale their hay due to the drought. I don't know if that was to kind of let them subsidize, like maybe they could sell the hay then, or or how exactly that that worked. I didn't get the full details on it. But right now, the, both those bottom fields are cut and full of big round bales, and so gotcha. Okay, um, might need to get one of those redneck uh bail imitation blinds and (laughs) there you go there you go and be really nice to my neighbor
1: (laughs) yeah for sure dude i'm just looking at your at your perfect five here man and i'm like you know they're not farming a lot of that like they could just give you all a little bit more of that ridge line and stuff you know what would they even like they wouldn't even notice
0: it i'd like to think that you know maybe down the road we're able to uh you know, kind of work together on, you know, clearing out some of the honeysuckle and stuff and, you know, maybe doing a couple of controlled burns together. Um, just because, you know, we've, over the last couple of years, we've gotten to be pretty good buddies, especially during deer and turkey season when we're both out and, you know, just sharing with each other what we're seeing. Um, and, uh, they recently had kind of a transfer of ownership and stuff and a little bit of a restructuring within their, uh, family and that property. And so it's, uh, i'm hoping going forward here we're able to really establish a, a solid relationship with them and um know, just work things in a, as mutually beneficial a way as possible even if even if i'm not hunting on there just like helping them do things that will <laughs> i don't want to say in a, in a selfishly motivated way but you know maybe just draw deer kind of through our little corner or something or you know whatever it may be but really just i mean even that transfer from, from crops to crp Um, the amount of wildlife we've seen, the Turkey population has exploded. Um, his, his grandfather, he used to own the property. Um, he was a big pheasant advocate. And so he would, he would basically just buy bought or buy birds and, uh, stock them kind of on his own property and stuff. And for a while there, I remember in like middle school hunting out there and, uh, walking through a on a, on a fence line and stuff like that. And like all of a sudden a couple of birds would just explode from like three feet from me and just scare the hell out of me and <laughs> all that. But we haven't seen, seen any of that lately, but you know, our, our deer and uh, turkey populations so far are just exploding. Right. I think that's a big part of it. So right. continuing that kind of uh, land ethic there and just, you know, making it as beneficial of a, of an area as possible for all sorts of wildlife. I'm, willing i'm on board for any of that
1: yeah yeah good stuff man good stuff well um in the last 24 hours a rant
0: there what's that (laughs) i didn't mean to go on such a rant oh no 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 man there were
1: (laughs) follow-up questions in there i was i was i was trying to pull a little bit more out of you i wanted to to go down that road just a little bit but um my last 24 hours Mm -hmm. we've got a buck that that you and i are hoping shows back up on a piece of public this year um and if he does This is about the time we expect him. Um, I was telling you the other day, last year he showed up for the first time, October 20th. Uh, I knew where he was early season because of, again, a neighboring property. The guy had information on him. He was running actually with, well, early in the season, he was running with the buck that I ended up killing. They Hmm. split up, but they moved the same direction. They just weren't together anymore, if that makes sense. And this deer was a giant. He was a three-year-old last year. Very, very big deer. But I get a buddy or I get a a text from a buddy yesterday up there near where I would expect that deer to be early season before he shifts to where he does that says, saw a giant at such and such today. Same place I saw him last year. I mean, a tank. His tines were as thick as my forearm. Uh So I'm getting pretty fired up. And I'm like, no kidding. to you get a look at his antler configuration? Here's a picture of him last year. Um, I'm hoping I can relocate him. And so I just, you know, send them this information. I'm like, notice the split G2, you know, one side's bigger than the other. Like, there's some stuff to um, – there's some stuff there where you can recognize him, right? Yeah. And he says, that's likely him. That's his response. <laughs> that's likely him. I'm not an expert, but I'd say what I saw – was nearly 180 inches of antler.
0: Oh um. God. You got me fired <laughs> up because tomorrow, hopefully as you all are listening to this, I will be out there hanging cameras for Josh. And right. Man, right. I would love just to get eyes on him.
1: Dude.
0: I'm going to have my bow with me, but I would love to see him. Do I you... hope I bump him or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I've
1: got the, he dropped a pin where he bumped him. So I'm going to send you that as well. Yeah, I in that. Do you have a do you have a standard SD camera anywhere floating around? I should have sent you one of those too.
0: I've got one. Yeah, it's kind of a piece of crap, but Oh man, okay. All right.
1: All right. I was wondering if if it would be worth getting a standard SD camera up where where he bumped him, or at least up mm-hmm. there in that direction, but if nothing, I mean if nothing else, you can go up there and scout and you can see if there's, you know, big sign up there, but Right. Um, right. So and then he follows it up. His body weight has to be 250. Maybe more. Oh, man. Um, And this guy's lived in Wisconsin his whole life. Like, he knows big deer. He hunts southwestern Wisconsin. He's used to the, you know, the size of the deer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it just goes on. He jumped up while I was, I can't say that part because you might figure that out. Uh, (laughs) I was shocked. His antlers were so thick. So, yeah, man. This could be him. This could be him. I don't know for sure. Um, but with you know, with him saying, hey, that with that antler configuration, that could very well be could be very well be the same deer, or, or for him to say it was likely him, you know, mm-hmm. um, is real exciting, dude. Yeah. It's real good news.
0: And I mean, if, even if it's not him, knowing that he's out there yeah. and the other one's out there too. Right. I mean
1: Right. So if I'm putting the pieces together, I know that this deer was three years old last year, so I know he's going to make a big jump. I mm-hmm. know he made it through gun season because someone saw him after gun season. If this is him again, I know he's still on the property and around as a four-year-old. I would expect a jump anywhere, you know, somewhere around that 180 mark is probably what mm-hmm. he would be this year based on how big he was as a three-year-old. 180, if not if not even a tick bigger. Um, yeah. Would be expected, I think. Uh, so, man, putting all those pieces together, it could very well be him. And if it's not him, well, then there's another big one to chase up there. And that's the same area where you know this deer was up there last year, in in uh, this section. I'll just say in this section of the mm-hmm. uh, of the public, and yeah. um, but this guy also jumped another big buck up there last year too, and so. Uh, this is just a good area for, for this frame, So I need to get in there and do some scouting or you need Uh, to get in there and do some scouting or something where we can figure out like, what are the pieces of the puzzle here? Um, Because I think that spot, I think that area might be a little bit overlooked for mm -hmm. some very obvious reasons when we're, you and I are talking about it off air. We know,
0: um,
1: just an an overlooked spot. Like why would you hunt up there? You know, if you think the spot where I'm hunting looks, looks not real good (laughs) on the map, like you definitely have no reason to hunt where he jumped that giant yesterday.
0: Right. Dude. And it's, it's the kind of thing too, where, um, you know, like we were talking the other day, we were texting about this and I was looking at an uh, on and you hadn't sent me the pins yet. And I'm like, where the hell is this feature he's talking about? What on earth? And then he sent me the pin and you explained it to me. I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah so you need to be in there if you're gonna ever find that spot because you're right as it you yeah. know, as you're just looking at onyx it looks like absolutely nothing special yeah like it, it looks like any other you know overlooked whatever like just you know, who cares um but then once you factor in that oh okay this is what's there this is the the feature in the in uh in the landscape that is there and you start looking around it, you're like, holy smokes, man, this whole area is, looks like, I mean, knowing that that's there, this whole area makes a hell right. of a lot more sense now. And I'm right. Uh, yeah. Stop me if I'm giving away. Too no, much. I'm trying to be vague here, but no, <laughs> you're good.
1: And, well, I just, I just want to say like this is a good segue and a good point to make this time of year. Like if you're bow hunting during the pre-rut time frame, or even, you know, this first, that early rut timeframe, um, Sometimes being in a good area is not good enough when you're bow hunting Well, it's -hmm. almost never good enough, right? Like you've got to find that place in there where it really pinches down the movement or you've got to throw a bunch of sits at it and just hope that it comes together for you. And that's kind of how this area is. Like it's, it's good, but it's big, good. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of goodness all the way around you and to really capitalize on it, you've got to find something in there. And last year, I just happened to find that special something between uh, crossing, some pressure, other fun things that I just won't say. I hate that I've got to be so dang vague this year. Maybe next (laughs) year, I'll feel a little more comfortable talking about it. But uh, I want to kill kill (laughs) one more out of there first.
0: Was it this podcast or another one that you got the message saying like, hey, I know where you're at?
1: Oh, that was the Wisconsin Sportsman. Okay, yeah, I I literally got a screenshot of where I killed this buck. (laughs) Like the guy sent it to me through the county GIS map and was like, hey, I found the spot. Like, cool, dude. Shut up. (laughs) No, it it actually turned out really well. So this guy, uh, he and I hunted together. He killed two, didn't he? What's that?
0: He killed two,
1: didn't he? No, he doesn't hunt a lot out there. This guy actually ended up filming my turkey hunt in Wisconsin this year.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Um, There
1: was another guy, though, who had been watching my Instagram stuff last year. I pull up to the parking lot. I walk over. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm going this way. Which way are you going? Or I actually ask him first, which way are you going? I'll go the other way. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you look familiar. I just got done watching all your stuff. I'm like, oh, good. Great. Good. I'll just point this camera at my face alone from now on then um (laughs) so anyway uh that's all besides the point pierce we're coming up on the pre-rut man a lot of folks favorite time of year especially you know sam billhorn uh we talked to him earlier Uh, i know a lot of guys who on private ground the Mm -hmm. pre-rut is their favorite time of year um that seems to be i don't know that seems to be pretty specific to me though like it it seems like Guys that have a good piece of private where they kind of know the deer or maybe a piece of public that they're really, really familiar with and they maybe have some cameras out and just, they know the deer on the property. That pre-rut is really good for a couple of different reasons. And uh, Pierce, I'd say it's probably up there on your list too. So what is it about the pre-rut that gets you, gets you fired up?
0: You know, man, I've been thinking about it for the last 24 hours or so, just as we were getting ready for our episode with Sam and all that too. And I've realized there's, there's something like last year, so, so I've archery hunted for 10 years now. And, uh, there, there's something about, so I I have made every mistake in the book, like done every stupid thing that I possibly could have, um, from, you know, literally hunting without a range finder right off the bat and missing what would have without a doubt, even today, been my biggest buck to date um, <laughs> oh, while I painful. was kneeling on the ground, uh, doing stupid stuff like that, um, overpressuring land, you know, not playing the wind, not understanding thermals, um, you know, relying on the rut and just hoping that like, well, it's the rut now. Like, you know, I read Field and Stream, seven best days of the rut. Let's fire up and get in there. <laughs> um, I am... Kind of. So last year, well, what I didn't finish that thought. Last year, I ended up. My goal for the season last year was to to finally shoot my first archery buck. I wrestled with a bunch of you know stuff in years past. I'm like, ah, he's not big enough for I. You know, I, I shot one that I was really would have been really happy with, but I uh, just hit him high and um you know things didn't didn't go well. He ended up living through the year, but then I never saw him again. Um, and so I I was able to fill my first archery buck tag last year um after a lot of years of passing and there's something about and i don't know if it's just because like i've conditioned myself to uh suffer through the entire month of november <laughs> up until gun season and then throw a hail mary with that but there I, I wrestle a lot with like in the pre-rut when you're dealing with a lot of predictable buck activity um you know, I wrestle with having almost a little bit of FOMO mm. and being like, well, if I shoot a buck now, then I'm not going to suffer the whole bit of November. I'm not going to have that desperation, <laughs> right. you know, like, God, it's got to happen. Like, yeah. a, you know, the, the gun season's getting here closer every single day. Um, this year, though, we've, we've been talking about how we, each of us feel very confident going into this deer season. Right. Um for better or for worse, um with or without any evidence backing <laughs>
1: <really>. <laughs> Yeah, let's be clear. We have no reason to be more confident and feel good this year. No, we just do. No,
0: we're, it's just a gut feeling. Right. Exactly. We've got a lot of blind optimism this year. Um which I'm really enjoying. I am uh, too. It, it's 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 a lot of it, it's a lot more relaxing feeling I've got going into this season um than than in years past. Um but yeah, so I'm wrestling with the fact of like, you know, killing a buck in the pre-rut and like putting you know a lot of effort into into the pre-rut. Um, it is unbelievably rational, and it makes so much sense because you've got bucks kind of on a routine. They are checking all those scrapes and everything. On a you know, as you get closer and closer and closer to the rut, they're hitting those scrapes. They're laying down sign. Um, they're starting to be more predictable. And then the rut cracks open and then it's just a shit show and right. everything's kind of chaos. Sam said it perfectly. Like, you know, when you're, when it's pre-rut, you can set up on a scrape and you can watch that buck come in and you know, with almost certainty, at least if you're on private land, so you're, you know, you've got Freddie that's, uh, you know, as, as, uh, meticulously groomed as Sam's is, um, you know that that buck is going to come in and he's either gonna, you know, maybe he hits the ground, maybe he hits, um, you know, the, the, the branch there, maybe he just bumps it, but, you know, for a second, he's going to hit that. He's going to stop there. Um, rather than during the rut, maybe you've got a buck and a doe and rather than, you know, playing the game very nicely and, you know, laying down sign working that, that scrape, maybe he's on that thing's tail and he's running full bore across the, uh, the ridge. 60 yards from you. So it's, it's less predictable, um, which in a way I like, but at the same time, um, I think if you're, you're really jonesing to get after a big buck um, and catch one, that's, you know, on a routine, figure out the hell of a time to do it. Right. Right. Um, so I'm excited for it. I'm looking, I'm like I said, we've been looking at the forecast for the last week here and things look really, really good. Uh, at least in Wisconsin, here in Southwest Wisconsin, where I'll be, I'll be hunting. Um, things are looking really good. A week from this will come out tomorrow on the nineteenth. So a week from uh, today, yeah. Things are looking really good. Yeah, we've yeah. got a lot of stable temps, but then that cold front Thursday, Friday, going into Saturday. I think a lot of bucks are going to die next weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, you've got. That twenty sixth, twenty seventh time frame of that cold front blowing through, and it's just gonna—I mm-hmm. mean, it couldn't happen at a better time.
0: Like, With a bit of rain too, yeah. so you can be a little aggressive, let that rinse off, and then go back in there, not worry about scent quite as much. You know, right, right. And worry if about it's, your wind, but not ground scent so much.
1: Yeah, and if it's true that you know wind and and leaves in the scrapes and rain on the scrapes gets bucks up on their feet freshening those things up because they want to get back in there and start working that sign again. Man, if that's gosh, if that's true, this perfect is a perfect storm. it's a perfect recipe, man. It really, really, really is. So I'm excited. I wish I was gonna be there for it, man. I really do. <laughs> I am not going to be in Wisconsin until November first. So Which is
0: still a great time to be in there. Oh it's not a
1: it's not a bad time
0: rut fully starts at least like where i hunt i think it's like november third or fourth right i think that's when when we go we we make the shift from pre-rut to rut um and i mean obviously it's kind of you know give it a day or two and there's some fluctuation in in what you're seeing because some of the bucks are in rut mode other bucks are still in pre-rut mode but right um i think after that's when it starts getting chaotic
1: yeah and i i think what i've seen too from my cameras for the last couple of years this area where i'm hunting is a little delayed from where you are and delayed from where sam is yeah. um in that we don't i don't see that like running chasing behavior um until 12th 13th 14th basically that week right up into gun season mm-hmm. man when i when both times i shot the buck last year that poor thing i'm mm-hmm. stuck him full of holes but Um, like both times that I, that I encountered him last year, he looked like he had just gotten up out of bed, you know, and was coming through to kind of work these, uh, this scrape area. So that was
0: in the evening too. Both times. Yeah.
1: Both times were in the evening. Did not see him in the morning. I saw some smaller bucks cruising in the morning, but what I was also seeing the whole time that I was there was does with their fawns still. So There were there was no separation of the doe family groups yet. Um, I only saw one buck chasing a doe, and it was a it was a little little buck, and the doe had kind of. I don't know if you've ever observed this behavior, maybe around the rut, but like when the doe is not ready, at least this has been my thoughts when a doe is not ready and she's running from that buck, you'll often see her like run, run, run. And then she'll stop and squat down and pee. And then she'll like run off again. And that buck will come up and smell it. And I've watched them like smell that spot and then lose interest. So it's like, they're like, oh, okay. She's just letting me know. She's not quite interesting. Ready. So huh. I've seen that in person. I've seen it in Alabama. I've seen it in Wisconsin. I've seen it on my trail cameras before. Um, it's just, yeah, you have a doe run in she pees he comes in sniffs it he get kind of looks up and goes off the other direction where he's like okay not yet mm-hmm. so uh, I saw that exact thing exact thing play out last year where doe runs in she stops she pees she runs off he comes in he stops he smells it and he's like eh, okay and kind of goes on about his business um, so yeah I don't know where I was going with that
0: is there a pretty high uh, doe density? Over in, in the area that you are hunting,
1: uh, in the area that I am hunting, public in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. yes,
0: yeah,
1: there is so many deer. Um, so I have counted ag fields in the evening out there with seventy plus deer in them. Jesus, um, now those are special evenings, like right. it's not every night, but there are a lot of does, um, but there are a lot of bucks too, man. Like Mm -hmm. the buck, I I would say there's a, there's a lot of does. So like high doe density, but I would say the buck to doe ratio is not bad. If that makes sense. So there's a lot of, um, I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, last November, I saw as many bucks as I did does. Um, and I think that's probably pretty consistent for this spot for me over the last Mm -hmm. several years. Um, Early season, it's a little more skewed, yeah. you know, towards, but I'll have early season sits or I would have early season sits out there where I would go and I'd see, you know, three or four small bucks and a doe and two fawns come out and that was it, you know? Um, so I, I don't think the ratio is too skewed. The age structure is pretty decent too. I mean, I showed, I sent you some pictures of some other deer that I had on camera last year and I think it's pretty healthy age structure out there.
0: Yeah, there's I would some, say so. There's some a older. lot of good genetics out there, too. Yeah, they're there's all right. Heavy all right. horned deer.
1: Yeah, people should really hunt a lot more around uh, Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. the, that's yeah, what, those that's...
0: marshes are nasty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what we're talking about, uh, for anybody asking. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, Pierce, let's jump into some pre-rut strategy here, man. We don't have too terribly long left, but like, where's going to be your focus, I guess, over this next week or so? As things really start to ramp up, as as we've got the cold front coming, uh, what are you doing? Because you're going to be on a mix of public and private. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam.
0: Yep, I'm going to be on a mix of public and private. Um, This coming week, so prior to this episode releasing, um as I mentioned, we've got really, really stable temperatures. And so what I'm looking at um, is going to be a change in wind direction. And I'm going to be watching my cell cam out at uh, the perfect five to see if that buck shows up only on a specific wind, because yesterday in the morning, we had wind blowing out of the Northeast. And so the direction he was coming, he had the wind right in his face. However, that was at eight 26 and at 10 a.m the wind totally flipped like did a perfect 180 and uh I mean that was the most buck activity I'd had on our ridge um so far this season so I'm still trying to figure out if that was wind related or if that was just they're starting to get fired up it's November 17th yesterday um and and things are really starting to take off here so I'm going to be Focusing on public, um, I think until then, uh, there's a marsh that I've got kind of on my radar near me, um, that I'm going to be trying to figure out, um, where there's sort of a pinch point within that. Um, cause it kind of separates a really, really steep hilly, um, bit of public, which, which is equally good. I saw a lot of, um, sign in there in the early season. Um, I have yet to actually hunt it though, um, but I'm going to devote my time towards that and then look for the pinch point between that super hilly terrain and then down in this marsh where then kind of there's a little bit more gradual, um, you know, incline up to a, an ag field on top that's got beans in it this year. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see just kind of how that plays out in there. I really got to get some boots on the ground as I, we were talking our Wisconsin trout season just ended this past Saturday. And so that's been taking up the majority of my time. Right. um, And just hitting your running guide trips and stuff like that. So I'm just now finally starting to be able to fully devote my attention to deer, um, which I'm pretty happy about, but um, yes, I'm thinking that's going to be the the key um, for me, at least my game plan. However, if that same buck were to show up, um, later today or tomorrow morning, I might start thinking about, okay, they're not as concerned about the wind, um, direction as they are just wanting to lay down signs. So I'm going to make a play off of that and see about trying to get in there.
1: Yeah. Um, what were those wind directions yesterday?
0: Yesterday or- it was blowing when he came by, it was blowing from the Northeast, um, kind of East to Northeast, um, more so East. And then it flipped like a, an hour, hour and a half later, um, kind of went north for a little bit, and then started blowing. Or I guess basically, then it switched to a south wind, and then a southwest wind, um, which we get a lot of out on our property. And a lot of times, like it, it bodes well for the morning because um, it'll actually blow out over the top of um, kind of this thicker sort of like, I don't know, meadow, kind of prairie sort of thing that's kind of along the ridgetop, um, just downhill from the ag fields over there where they, a lot of times they'll run through our corner, through the ridge, and then they'll go out through that meadow, kind of weave in between all the, just a couple of apple trees up there, and they'll weave between those and some honeysuckle bushes, and then they'll drop down kind of through the, at the very, kind of the mouth of the hollow um, that we're in, and then they'll cross over there and work their way over to the other ridgetop. Gotcha. Um, so, so <clears throat>
1: what was that wind doing before he came through?
0: Same direction. It stayed. Uh, so, it was, it was consistent. Still, yep. Consistent out of the Northeast. Interesting. And then, yeah, it wasn't until they flipped that then things switched around, which is weird because I've intentionally hunted uh, Northeast winds um, and even East winds that blow directly off that ridge top. Yep. And I've had crap luck while hmm. sitting there. Like I'll see maybe like two deer, um, you know, if that, and a lot of times they're even, they, they don't even want to go across the ridge top. It's more so they're, they're cutting down on a lower trail and kind of skirting out through the mouth of that hollow and going up to the other side. Yeah. Um, so I, I was honestly surprised to see that buck come through yesterday.
1: Well, let me ask um, you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, it was eight 16 in the morning, sun's up, mm-hmm. thermals starting to rise. Yeah. Um, do you think, I guess we don't know, did he follow the ridgeline or did he come off that other point that's straight kind of North of where you've got that camera?
0: I think he followed the ridgeline.
1: You think he followed the ridgeline? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was, I was curious cause with a Northeast wind, if he followed that ridgeline, he could be downwind of any doves and be checking any of those yep. bedding areas.
0: Yeah. Right there. And there's a bedding area directly South of us there as well. So, um,
1: Okay. So just kind of cruising through. Yep. Okay. All right. So, Hey, when you're on the, when you're on the public, what's the sign that you're looking for, man? So you're looking for terrain features, obviously that are going to dictate a lot of that movement, but what's going to be the, I guess the sign that makes you say, all right, this is the spot. This is where I'm, I'm setting up camp.
0: If I find a heavy trail with a a pretty worn out scrape, um, near it or on it, I'll be probably making a set off of that. Um, Otherwise, if I find maybe what looks like a buck bed and I'm starting to see kind of a rub line working to or from or along one of those heavy trails, um, I might try and set up off of that. But I think right now going into before we get into November, I'm going to be focusing on uh, on scrapes.
1: Gotcha. So are you trying to shoot the scrape or are you trying to get fancy and do like a lot of guys are like, well, he'll he'll be downwind of it. He won't actually come in and work it. Or
0: I'm going to try and shoot the scrape. Try and I'm not that, scrape. I'm not that good of a hunter.
1: Dude, I, I'm the same way, man. Like if, I, if I've got a scrape that's like I'm set up near, if there's any way possible to shoot that scrape, I'm going to be on it. Um, yeah. I pulled that yeah. last year. Uh, gosh, it would have been a few days before I shot the buck For a few days before I, I saw him maybe a day or two before I saw him the first time. Um, I had to get on the ground and I couldn't see the scrape. But I had a deer come in from that direction. And to this day, I don't know what deer that was or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see it. And I was kicking myself. I was like, man, that's the last time. Uh, Now, granted, in this spot, I I didn't have a choice. But I was like, that's the last time I set up on a scrape and that I can't shoot. Like, it's it's too predictable, man. Like, they may not spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time there. But my goodness, it's there for a reason. It's because that's usually where they walk. Like right. they, they're not really right. in the business. And I, I hear guys say this a lot, like, yo, you got to be back off the scrape. And I, I get it. I get it. Deer use their nose a lot,
0: but like. I mean, off the scrape enough that you can shoot to it without getting winded. But right. I'm, I'm still hunting that scrape. But
1: I think a lot, a lot of guys will say, man, you, you get 50, 60 yards downwind of it because that buck's going to come 30 yards downwind of it. And he's just going to scent check it. And it's like, maybe, yeah, maybe, but if I'm. If I'm 25 yards from the scrape, and that buck comes in 10 yards downwind of me, um, I'm just gonna. I, I feel like I've got a better chance of because yeah. I can shoot him at the scrape, and then if he, you know, if he's coming in, then I'm gonna make sure I've got a shot that's downwind. So before mm-hmm. he can hit my scent stream, I'm gonna take a shot, right? Yeah. Rather than saying, "Oh, I'm gonna be 60 or 80 yards downwind of the scrape." and then you watch him walk in 60 yards away and work the scrape and walk off out of your life. Like, right. I, I just can't get down, can't get down with that. I'd rather shoot that difference in the middle yeah. and be able to shoot the scrape and shoot a little bit downwind if I, if I at any way can, but mm-hmm. um, man, that's going to be, that, that would be my play too. I unfortunately am not going to be getting out a whole lot for the pre-rut. Man, um, well, like I said, that early November time frame for where I'm going to be in Wisconsin is very pre-rut-ish. Mm-hmm.
0: Um Especially on that property,
1: yeah. yeah. And that's on that specific place. I mean, I know places around there where guys are like, you know, by November second, I'm seeing, you know, bucks chasing does. I'm seeing deer locked down, and I've I've seen quite a few deer locked down on this property too. But it's never until like the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, that's usually right before gun season when yeah. I when I see bucks locking down with does, um, <clears throat> in this specific area, but. Uh, man, any, any takeaways from the conversation we just had with Sam that you're like, Hmm, that blew my mind. I'm going to keep that in my pocket for this year.
0: Oh man. Um, I think when you're, the big thing for me that stuck out was when you're, when you're dealing with, you know, one thing I, I'm kicking myself for not, uh, asking, I thought of it after we finished recording was, um, how much consistency is he looking for before he decides to make a play? Is it one sighting? Because, you know, on, over on the Wisconsin Sportsman, we, we chatted with uh, Ryan Glitsky a couple um, weeks ago, and, you know, we were, we were discussing how you're interpreting trail cam data. And basically, if you get a buck on there, you know, a handful of times, whether it's in daylight or at 2 AM, he's more inclined to make a play off of that. Cause he's saying, you know, regardless, like if he's there at night or during the day, um, you know, he, he's in that general area. Like he's showing up on camera. I know that he's nearby the odds of him making a pass, whether he goes and on top of it too, like, you know, we, we discussed. <laughs> trail cams are only part of the picture. Right. 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 And we've all had cameras that don't fire when a deer walks by, Ugh. or they've you know they, Makes the deer skirts them, or you know whatever happens, um,
1: they come too close to the camera, they skirt underneath your field of view, they're just yep. too far out, uh, yeah, all the things.
0: Yeah, it's like they know. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um. But but really, just looking at um, I'm I'm thinking here as we we go into this this coming cold front um, next week between now and then I'm watching for, like I said, uh, I'm watching for a change in the wind direction. Um, I think that's going to be critical depending on what your property um, lays out best for where your best stands at. Um, I think really, if you've got cell cams in the area, really watching those close to see what deer are doing with a different wind um, as temperatures are stable. I think that's gonna be huge. Um, and then yeah, you know, the, the big one for me too was you know, with this rain that we got coming a week from now, um, slip it in there a, or an hour said a week, an hour before um yeah, you know, that rain is projected to stop, get a little wet, but get in there quiet, take advantage of the wet leaves and a little bit of mud. Um, so that you can make a nice quiet entry um and run in there. Get set up, be aggressive, um, hit one of those prime stands, and hope that as soon as that rain subsides, that like just bank on those deer being up on their feet, wanting to freshen those scrapes, and uh, you know just get after it. Sam made another good point too that you know if you've got breaks in the rain, that's a prime time to hunt, and then when the rain picks back up, if you're gonna you know if it's a couple hours coming. You know, use that time while the deer are pinned down to go in and swap SD cards. If you need to, you know, check right. hands and stuff like that, right. use this as like your last. I mean, like we said, it's the perfect storm right now, really yeah. uh, coming into next week. Uh, you know, Use use the rain as an opportunity to gather as much intel as you can. Yeah. Scout um, if you
1: need to. Going man. in November. Yeah. yeah. Scout yeah. if you need to. Boots on the ground. I think what I took away from the conversation with Sam, the primary thing Uh, was when we pressed him and said, all right, Sam, you can't be on your well-manicured land. You've got to go Mm -hmm. out. You've got to try your hand on public. And he was like, I'm viewing that as, man, I've got nothing to lose. So I'm Mm going to get out there and find the sign that I need to see, and then I'm going to sit on it. And I was like, man, that's such a good reminder. That was my mentality last fall. It got me on the deer and had me coming home with a buck, man. And so that was – I wanted – I wanted to share that just for our listeners again, because we can get so timid, uh, I feel like, and just say, okay, we're trying to make sure we don't overpressure this spot or whatever. You know, first of all, it's a rut. You can get away with a ton, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But second of all, what do you have to lose, man? If you bump them, if they skirt you, if they move, whatever the case may be, keep going. Like, just get out there and get after it. Find the sign that you need to see. That says, Mm -hmm. this is the spot that you have to sit. Don't settle for garbage sign. Uh, But then, then again, like last year, um, (laughs) I have to bring this up again. The very first decent, and I say decent because it wasn't even that good. It was a faint deer trail um, that I crossed. And I said, the first deer sign I found, not that impressive, but we're getting closer. That's the trail I ended up killing my buck on. So, uh, also don't be afraid to, you know, but there was a lot more that made it good. I mean, terrain and a lot of other stuff came together to make
0: that a good spot. All right. And if you've got a couple of days too, and you're hunting public and you, you find that faint trail, I mean, worst comes to worst, you know, obviously we're, we're not all, um, you know, able to take, you know, multiple consecutive days off and stuff like that. But still like if you're going into a spot for the first time and you're looking for sign, I mean, don't be afraid to set up on that and use that as an observation set. Right. And have an idea of, okay, well, this secondary trail probably runs parallel to or intersects a main trail and we'll be able to figure out, okay, they're still using the secondary trail. It's enough of a trail that it, that it, it it's, it's there, right? Right. Um, you know, who knows what's going to come out of that? Cause especially if it's less, less used, the odds of that being, you know, something that a buck might use because it's, you know, for whatever, maybe the wind swirls, he just knows that the wind swirls well, um, on that trail or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, but we can kind of tell when there's a doe trail and stuff like that, because it's usually a doe with a couple of fawns and they run the same, you know, food to bed pattern all the time. And as a result, that trail is just worn down and just, yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's nice because it looks like a cattle trail and it's easy to find, but <laughs> Um, you know, finding that secondary trail that intersects it and not being afraid to you know, make a play off of that because um, worst comes to worst, you learn something, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario, you get busted. Okay. Well, that sucks. Not quite worst case scenario. You don't see anything. Okay. Well, tomorrow I'm going to make a play somewhere else anyways. Right. 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 So I think, yeah, like you said, just being flexible and not getting so locked into Here's where my stand at. Here's where the trail is. And, you know, this is how I'm gonna fill my tag. You know, make plays off of the sign and be willing to relocate.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Man, I had
0: go where the out. deer are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go go <laughs> yeah. It's just like Dan Johnson's uh shed hunting strategy. Go to places where deer live and climb up in a tree and sit there and wait for them to come by and see what mm-hmm. happens. Um one other thing that I was going to just touch on, because you, you kind of hit it there. Um, not everybody can take a concentration of time off this time of year. I get that. Um, but you should really try. Like, mm-hmm. the the odds are so much higher for you at this time of year. If you just take a long weekend, just add, take Friday and Monday off, and then hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Scout all day Friday. Scout Thursday afternoon into Friday. Scout Friday, Saturday, you Mm -hmm. know, and then hunt Sunday, Monday, like do what you have to do to, to concentrate your time, because this is the best time of year. It's go time now. Right. Like as of next weekend, that weather front is going to push through. It is the time to be in the woods. It may, it may be the best hunting weekend of the entire season. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Other than, other than if you're a gun hunter and you're like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I've got the spot for gun season. Like, yeah, I get that. Okay. Your, your odds of yeah. su- success may be mm-hmm. higher, but like this may be the highest odds weekend coming up. So get out there mm-hmm. in the woods, find the sign you need to see, climb up in a tree. Don't be afraid to make moves if you have to go where the deer are. Um, Colin, sick. Use some sick days, man. Do what you got to do, but get out in the woods. And Even
0: if you, even if you can't do that, like say you can't even get away for, you know, three or four full days in a row. If you can find a way to work it with, you know, your job or anything where you can squeeze in consecutive morning sits or right. maybe an afternoon and a morning. So you kind of know, okay, this is where they went last night and here's where I'm going to set up this morning based off of that. Just so you can kind of get that real time Intel, get eyes on deer, have a really good sense of what's going on in the woods. I mean, I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's cliche, but time in the woods, uh, you know, kills deer, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah. it does, man. If you're not out there and it's, it's, I'm learning more and more. It's sequential time in the woods. That -hmm. seems to kill a lot of deer too. Like it doesn't matter if I'm out this Friday or this Saturday and, you know, maybe I've hunted every Saturday of the season. Okay, great. You hunted 15 days, 16 days. Okay. That's awesome. But you had very little actionable Intel. Yeah. But like if you hunt three or four mornings in a row, well, boy, you just learned a lot about what the deer are doing right now, and you can change based on that rather than changing on what you learned a week ago that is now irrelevant, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Um, And, I mean, if your job is flexible, so many more jobs are flexible now after COVID. Like, man, last year I slept for like four hours a night, (laughs) you know? I hunted from dark to dark every single day and worked at night. Got back at eight, nine o'clock at night. Worked till twelve or one in the morning, and did the whole thing again. Not doing I don't that know this how year. You did that last Dude, year, I, man. <laughs> but do you remember? Like there were points in time where you and I talked, and I was I was like a zombie. Mm-hmm. I think I remember trying to record a podcast episode, and I was like, "Dude, I I don't even know if I can do this." Like, right? I can't carry on a conversation. Yeah. At that point, you know, much less try to ask questions that people care about the answers to.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely well and i think too it's like you know it, it's a grind right especially when you're juggling work and family and uh right. you're trying to squeeze out time in the woods and stuff like that it is a grind it wears on you there's definitely something to be said for if, if you are making yourself miserable because you're you're you know, trying so hard to get everything done and you were like you get out in the woods and maybe you are kind of a zombie or whatever like well you're not going to hunt your best at that at that Point as well you know something you know, like i can't remember if it was deer season or turkey season where you were like i'm sleeping in
1: oh that's, dude care. that was last year during the rut yeah there, there was a day that i was like re, it was the morning after i shot the buck mm-hmm. i took a reset yeah. i slept in like it's the way it's got to be man
0: and don't be afraid to take the coffee reset Dude, as well. the if coffee
1: reset. holy cow <laughs> how did we not cover the coffee reset yet but i mean that is so important for folks. Coffee mm-hmm. reset, beer reset, friend reset, yeah, whatever it is, like, go do whatever your thing is. Like, my thing last year was, like, I slept in, I had a good breakfast, like, fast food breakfast, like, good as in delicious and filling and not a milkshake coming out of a blender bottle in a tree stand, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what I was living off of last year was shakes and protein bars. And good conversation with Pierce. And then I went and shot my bow and yeah. I was ready. That was it.
0: Dude, and then, shooting the archery block mid, like during the rut, that, that is something that is so underrated. Right. Cause it just keeps you sharp and grant, like you and I have struggled with target panic and stuff like that for the last couple of years. But like just knowing like, yep, still shooting good. This yep. is great. I don't have a single second guess in my mind now. Like I, I know I'm I'm hitting true, and when that deer comes out, like it, it, even if it's been you know 24 hours, you still like almost mentally you feel like warmed up still. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, dude, it's critical. Yeah, nothing Absolutely. worse than
1: seeing that deer and realizing like I haven't pulled this bow back in three weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude, right? That's a bad feeling.
1: <laughs> Real bad. So, uh, yeah. all right, Pierce, man, I'm going to let folks go. When they're listening to this, they need to go start making their plans. They need to call their boss, take a day or two off. They need mm-hmm. to tell the, the wife they're going to be out in the woods. They need to get their gear ready, uh, shoot their bow, and, and get ready to deer hunt because the best time is upon us. So, uh,
0: Dude, yeah. as we were talking there about getting your butt in the woods and you, know, you can't kill them on the couch or whatever, I heard, like, in the back of my mind, like, all of the uh, – whitetail habitat solutions videos that I used to watch and stuff like that. Like Jeff Stur just, just saying, yeah. like saying, you can't kill them from the couch is the worst bit of advice ever. Like, well, I mean, within reason of like wind. Yeah. But at the same time from an Intel <sighs> gathering spot, I, I don't know, man. man. Granted he's got, you know, similar kind of deal with, uh, you know, groomed public and, uh, or groomed private, I'm sorry. And, you know, managed property and stuff. But like, if you're a public land hunter, man, freaking get after it. And if you're a private land hunter, get a saddle and get after it. Right. You can jump on the other side of the, that's something that I like, dude, I feel so much more lethal on that five acre chunk. Now that I've got a saddle and I'm not relying on, you know, a ladder stand or whatever it may be. And I get that, you know, it's, you know, within reason, obviously there's always exceptions, but still it's like, Having that flexibility, I really underestimated how how much of an advantage that is.
1: Right. Well, and and dude, if you're a private land guy and you've got that piece and you're listening to Jeff Sturgis and you're like, you know, don't say you can't kill him from the couch. You got to let your property rest. That's fine. Go hunt the public. Mm-hmm. Go get yourself out yeah. there and get more experiences. Learn more stuff. Get yourself out there when the deer are up and moving. And if you don't want to pressure your property because, uh, I mean, I, d- I do habitat consulting. Like, I get it. Like, I am yeah. I fully understand but go hunt the public, man. Go where, right. go somewhere where you feel like you have nothing to lose and get after it because you're going to learn way more than you're going to learn sitting on your property or mm-hmm. not sitting on your property or whatever. Right. You know, I think there's a reason Jeff's killed a lot of big deer. The yep. dude knows his stuff. There's no doubt. He has paved the way in the industry that I now call home, you know, as mm-hmm. far as professionally. But, and he's and he's killed a lot of good deer on public land. Over the years, mm-hmm. um, but I think that may be more of a symptom of how and when he's hunting what pieces of public land, rather than his public land prowess. Yeah. When we watch him struggle during public land challenges and stuff that he's done with others, you know, when he when he went and popped up a, uh, when I watched him go pop up a pop up blind on public ground and being like, "This is where I'm hunting for the morning." I'm like, dude, there's no way like mm-hmm. you, you you lost public land credibility in my eyes, but like <laughs> you literally walked out there and you popped up a tent. It ain't happening for you today. Um, And so, yes, listen to Jeff Sturgis on the things that you should listen to Jeff Sturgis on good guy. Uh, But also understand he, his situation is not yours.
0: It's a different style of hunting. It's a different
1: I've style of hunting been. and the dude, I mean. And I watched him the other day. He passed a buck at his place. That I'm like, man, I'm shooting that all day long. And he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, it's so cool to just watch these older deer. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, it's a four year old. Shoot it. You know, like, <laughs> what are you doing? And
0: uh, it is, and you know, it's it's it it is perfectly to the to the tune of those who have a property like that, who can devote the time and the energy and the right. resources to managing that property for them. That is, I mean, everything he says is gold. Right. Absolutely. Right. It, it, it's it, for private landowners who are grooming their, their property and all that stuff, designing it for this. I mean, he's got a hell of a lot of knowledge on that stuff. And right. Did a great job with it. I don't want to, I don't want to bash him in any way. It was just the, no, <laughs> yeah. but just the whole can't kill him from the couch kind of thing. That was yeah. But I, I think shuffle. too,
1: I think he <laughs> would also say like he, if he heard me saying, yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't go into your ground today or whatever, but do go out. Go get on that piece of mm-hmm. public. He'd be like, "Heck yeah, go do that," because that's where yeah. he that's where he cut his teeth. Like he's yeah. he's done that before. I mean, he's it's not to say he doesn't have any skill. It's just to say he's separated from that. You know, at, right. at this point in his in his career. But um, anyway,
0: well, yeah, man, you you gain so much from hunting both private and public, right? Too, you know what I mean? Because like. I mean, pretty much, I mean, I'll just say it the strategy that I figured out <laughs> when I'm going to go tackle a new piece of public is I go, okay, here is my little five acre bubble that I grew up hunting on, and I can see all the land around it and all that. And I kind of know how deer use the stuff. I will go out and I will think, okay, I always see deer on this feature or work through this area, um, you know, on our private. If I go to public, I look for the exact same feature, and then I build around it. Right. I go in; that's my first, you know, my my absolute go-to. I'll maybe do a set off of that. Otherwise, I get in there, and then I figure out, okay, actually, on this property, they're doing this instead. Right. And then you take that knowledge from the public land, and you take it back to your private. You go, oh, they're doing the same thing here, actually, but I never looked at it because it was just on private, and this is where my stands were. It right. You know, the, the contrast between the two and being able to take lessons from both and mash them together I think that's so critical yeah
1: I had my my wife we were talking about buying property and all that my wife's like you know okay so what if we do buy a piece of ground like does that mean you're only hunting at home like <laughs> no 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 <laughs> no 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 I still need you less Josh <laughs> no, nope I will still hunt I will still travel to Wisconsin or somewhere in the Midwest and hunt there. I will still do all the things like, yeah, my hunting will change, but, but I just, I need that room to roam, man. I got to get out Mm -hmm. there. I don't know. There's something about struggling with creation, like struggling with the earth and letting circumstances kick me in the teeth over and over and over again. And then finding success after that. That's how I want it, man. Like I, I want Mm -hmm. it. Like not that I'm not going to shoot a good one on on the first day. I'd love that too. And then, you know, shoot one and, in Wisconsin on the first day and then head to Illinois, like, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, mm-hmm. But something about the adversity and dealing with the circumstances and the hand that you're dealt is exhilarating to me. And I don't yeah. know that I'll ever be over it. You know, mm-hmm. we've got good private that we can hunt, and I hunted it one day last year. Right. Um, and I didn't shoot anything. It's not that I didn't see anything. I just didn't shoot anything
0: and I don't know if it's psychological or not, but there's like a different feel to private versus public land. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's almost, I don't want to say that it's, cause I, I hope to one day be able to, uh, you know, acquire some property for myself and all that. But then like I sit here and we talk about kind of comparing, and contrasting and all that stuff. And it's like, I would almost rather just be able to find some private that I can hunt or, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to have family who owns property that you can hunt out there, but then, you know, jump back and forth between that and public. Like, man, there's something almost not to, I don't want to take any business away from you, but like, right. it almost makes me like reconsider like wanting to purchase property and be like, you know, I'm still, you know, that's still a lifetime goal of mine. But like, you know, it makes me want to reconsider like, man, if I do that, then I got to like, I gotta devote a lot of time to it and I gotta like hunt it. Not that I wouldn't enjoy the process of, you know, designing it for um, you know, for hunting and turning it into the, the best possible, you know, property that it could be. Um at the same time, it's like, then I'd still, I would still feel guilty not trying to run around and like explore something new. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Absolutely. I've got a, I've got a guy, I just scheduled a consult with him in February of this year. I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's a 40 acre piece that is literally a blank slate. Like we can do anything we want with this spot and mm-hmm. it is in the middle of a national forest. Really? The dude has got the setup. It is in the middle of, totally surrounded on all four <laughs> sides by a national forest. And it's his little 40, right? So we're going to make this thing prime as prime can be. It's going to yeah. have the best bedding. It's going to have the best food. It's going to have the best possible setups. And on those days that it doesn't set up well, or, you know, cause it is a 40, like there will be days where it's like, Hey, it's not your day, bud. Like this is not yeah. a good one. Well, strike out on this giant piece of national forest ground. Right. You know, um, that's what I want. That That's what I want to have one day. Um, so, anyway, all right, Pierce, we got to run, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Looking forward to seeing uh, that kill pick that you take next weekend whenever you've got <laughs> one on the ground with this cold front rolling through.
0: Hopefully, man. Folks, until then, uh, go out and. Go, go check out the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast. and yeah. You to listen to our conversation with Sam. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so good. You will absolutely benefit from it, regardless if you are from Wisconsin or any other corner of the country. Yeah. Um, Sam's just a wealth of knowledge yeah. and an absolute treat to have on and talk about deer with. For sure.
1: Yeah. I'm. It got me fired up, and it really – it's not specific to Wisconsin. So if you want to hear some good mm-hmm. pre-rut content, go check it out this coming tuesday it'll be launching 4 a.m so if you want to be first in line there you go 401 <laughs> you can download it so all right pierce have a good one thanks that's all for this week's episode as always thank you so much for tuning in if you dig this show be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast if you can leave us a five-star review i would very much appreciate that while you're at it you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on instagram at how to hunt deer that's also the best way to get a hold of me, suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.